There's a movie that I saw back in the 1990s, and in this movie, a family goes down into a bomb shelter, fallout shelter. They think there's going to be a nuclear war, and they wait it out for years, but it turns out, of course, there was no nuclear war. And when the family finally emerges from the bomb shelter, they see that the world has completely changed. There's all this new technology, strange new culture. Everything's passed them by. This family, the family who hid themselves away while the world moved on, this family is a lot like the country of Burma. Burma is in Southeast Asia, between India and China. And while those countries blossomed with new business and new technology, Burma withdrew. The military dictatorship changed the name of the country to Myanmar. They went into the fallout shelter. I was there a few weeks ago, and as I was walking around the streets of Yangon, it's the largest city, millions of people there, I heard something coming from an alleyway that really tells you how far behind this country is. And there was not just one typewriter. There were dozens of guys sitting on the sidewalk, under tarps, some in T-shirts, some were smoking, others were in doorways. Other vendors were selling sheets of paper that you buy from them and then you take it over to the typing guys. Uh, we provide uh, document services, uh, contracts. Oh, for contracts. Oh, okay. They are the human equivalent of a Microsoft Word template and a laser printer. And at first I was thinking, okay, this is for small businesses doing tiny deals. But no, I peered over onto the contracts being typed. I saw the Foreign Trade Bank, United Overseas Bank. I saw a contract with Summit Agro International in Japan for 3,800,000 yen. Myanmar is finally opening back up to the world. The government's making reforms. International sanctions are being lifted. Foreign businesses are moving back in. And this street is Myanmar in a nutshell. International banking, done on typewriters, under tarps, on a dusty little street. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Robert Smith. Today, Myanmar comes out of isolation, out of the bomb shelter, and finds a world changing faster than they could ever imagine. A world that is going to change Myanmar itself. And we know this from history. Some people are going to capitalize on that change, and some people are going to be left behind. Today, we will meet two people who want to be the winners in the new era of global competition in Myanmar. One's a local entrepreneur. The other works for one of the largest corporations in the world. Both face very similar challenges. When I visited, it was the hot season in Myanmar. So Neong cranks up the air conditioner in his little office. He opens his laptop, a MacBook Air, and like a proud father, he starts to show me what he's been working on all these months. A Myanmar travel website. Well, he tries to show me. Wait, one second, yeah. Something's going on today. If Ne could pull up the website, I would see something that is pretty amazing, pretty new in Myanmar. It's called Oway. It's a travel site, like Expedia, that lets people around the world reserve rooms in small hotels across Myanmar. You can book flights to towns that weren't even on the grid a few years ago. And frankly, the whole place is barely on the grid now. now just to make this clear, we've been waiting 30 seconds for your site to come up. Uh, today is a particularly very bad day for Internet. This is life in Myanmar right now. Even an Internet entrepreneur can't always get online. Ne was born and grew up in Myanmar, but his internet chops come from the U.S. He got his MBA at Stanford, worked at Google, 
He still has the stylish haircut and Ralph Lauren shirts, sort of preppy Burmese look. When he saw that Myanmar was opening up, he decided to move back a year and a half ago. He found the best Internet connection he could possibly find at the time. It was at a coffee shop owned by a friend of the government. That's the way things work in Myanmar. Ney was convinced that travel would be the first business to boom here, and so he approached investors in Asia and the United States. What was their first question? Where is Myanmar? <laughs> oh, oh, literally, that thing asked before, you know, so, so they literally brought in a huge map, and they asked me to point out where Myanmar is. See China? See India? It's right in the middle. Exactly, right? So Ney got a few investors interested. He hired web developers in India. He put the servers in Singapore, where they'd be more stable. This is the usual stuff for an internet startup anywhere. But in Myanmar, there were unique challenges. He was an internet startup in a place where most of the country doesn't have internet, doesn't trust the internet, can't really use the internet, including the very people he needed for his travel website to work, the hotels where people would be traveling to. See, a lot of the hotels in the country are mom and pop affairs. They have the internet for their guests, but they're a long way from having a website or doing business online. Hotels do reservations on paper. They only use cash. They don't even have bank accounts, right? And they're hotels. They're hotels, exactly. In order to make this website work, Ney had to pull off a neat trick. He needed to be the middleman between the two different worlds, between high-tech and no-tech. For instance, while I was at the main office, I saw an order from Germany for six nights at a local hotel in Yangon. The German paid with a credit card on the website. That money went halfway around the world in the blink of an eye. And it stopped just a couple of miles from its destination, the hotel where the Germans wanted to stay. So Ney has the Germans' money. Ney has the connection to the international banking system. His job is to get at the last few miles. Ney faces a classic challenge that entrepreneurs have in developing countries. Whoever goes first has to figure everything out, like how to get the money from the global financial web to hotels that do business like they did 50 years ago. Ney's solution? He goes to a lockbox next to his desk. He pulls out a bunch of cash, not local cash, but U.S. $20 bills. And he entrusts that cash to the final step in the money's global journey. A 23-year-old employee named Sign Co. Sign takes the money goes outside and gets on a city bus. And it takes about 40 hot, crowded minutes for Sign and me to get across town. And when we get to the hotel, Sign hands over the money, fills out some paperwork, and what started as a high-tech internet hotel reservation ends up as a handwritten entry in a three-ring binder. And then I see why the hotels of Myanmar still rely on paper records. Whoa, the power just went out. Happens every day. Back at Ney's office, Oway headquarters, the website is up and running nicely. So this is essentially, you know, uh, what the site looked like. So in terms oh, it looks of nice. The... And it's getting some traction. About 500 bookings a month so far. And growing. This is the upside to getting into a country first. So now I think we are finding ourselves as one of the leading, you know, uh, brands, you know, in the in this space, right? Because you don't technically have a lot of brands in the first place. Yeah, so, you don't so, have a lot of competitors. Exactly, right? 
They call it first mover advantage. And the theory is you grab up all the customers and all the attention early. But there is something called second mover advantage, which might actually be better and certainly is easier. So Ney's working very hard to iron out all the kinks in Myanmar. And when he does, when he proves that there is a business that can be done in the travel internet space in Myanmar, that's when a lot of other companies, maybe big foreign internet giants, will want to come into the country and take away Ney's customers, take advantage of all the money and time Ney spent figuring this stuff out. Do you ever think that it's too soon to start an internet business in a country that doesn't really have payments and a telecommunications infrastructure? Like Maybe you came back too soon. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, oh, I, I thought about a lot, right, when I first came, right? You could never get the timing right. So, Nay thought, I'll come in early and I will stick it out as long as it takes. Because once change in a country starts to happen, it happens fast. When a country like Myanmar enters the global economy, emerges from the bunker, everyone wants a piece. You have your fast-moving entrepreneurs like Ney peddling new technology, and then you've got the global behemoths trying to get in on the action as well. Enter the Coca-Cola Corporation. For years, the only countries left on Earth without Coke were Cuba, North Korea, and Myanmar. But last summer, when international sanctions started to be lifted for Myanmar, Coca-Cola executives hopped the first plane to Yangon. It was literally a trip back in time. You know, it was like you have taken a, a time warp, but backwards. Shakir Moin is in charge of marketing Coca-Cola in the region. He grew up in Pakistan. He's worked all around Southeast Asia. He knows how hard it is to do business in a developing country. But Myanmar was so far behind. Very few cars. There was no cell phone connection. Internet connection was only available at uh, the hotel. Still, as he looked around, he saw an amazing opportunity for Coke. Here was an untapped market of more than 50 million people. Coke hadn't been around officially in Burma for 60 years, and everyone in the country seems to have a sweet tooth. On street corners, you can see these vendors. Guys with giant stalks of sugar cane. And they take the sugar cane and they squeeze it through this mechanical press sell you the juice. And that just means sugar water, right? Yes, sir. (laughs) They love their sugar water here. And for decades, they were deprived of the world's leading brand of sugar water. They had to come up with their own. People drank counterfeit Coke, actual bootleg Coke. A young man I met, Sotat, says he made do with local brands, imitators like Max and Star Cola. Star Cola is a slight imitation of a Coca-Cola. So we really want to try the real things here. So 50 million people love their sweets, and they spontaneously in interviews come up with Coke's classic advertising tagline, the real thing. Shakir knew that Myanmar was ready. Some people had even been secretly smuggling Coke across the border. There was cans from Thailand, cans from Vietnam, and cans from Singapore. But this turned out to be the first big problem for the comeback of Coke. The bootleg Coke was super expensive. Not many people drank it. And when Shakir started to talk to people, he realized that Coke had gotten this elite reputation. The imagery that they had of Coke was for the extremely rich and well-to-do people. 
you can't sell millions of bottles of your product if it's considered the Dom Perignon of sugar water. So Shakir hatched a plan, a plan to change the way an entire country thought of Coke. First, he had to tackle the price problem. Coca-Cola had gotten a partner in the country, was starting to manufacture product outside of Yangon. And when they started to print labels specifically for Myanmar, Shakir did something they almost never do at Coca-Cola. He printed the price right on the label. 300 chet, the local currency. It's about 33 cents. That way stores couldn't get away with charging high prices for Coke. And we want to make sure that Coca-Cola is affordable for everyone who wants to buy it. And it seems to be working. When I bought my first Coke in Myanmar, the woman tried to charge me more than the official price. What does she say? She wants to charge me $350? Yes. Even though it says $300. She eventually gave up, charged me the price on the bottle. So now that Coca-Cola was cheap, Shakir had to tackle the second big problem. Most of the country had never actually tasted Coca-Cola. They knew the idea of Coke, but not the flavor. And this is a marketing challenge that Coca-Cola hasn't had to face in decades. Normally, no one needs to explain Coke. Shakir didn't know what to do, so he went to the company archives, and he looked back through all the years of advertising, back through the polar bears and the real thing, and I'd like to buy the world a Coke. And he finally found the perfect model. Before TV ads, before radio ads, there was another time when Coke had to introduce itself to a country that didn't know a thing about it more than 100 years ago, when Coke was first invented. So literally the first stop was 1886 Atlanta. Atlanta, birthplace of Coke. No one had tasted it then, and soda fountains used free samples to spread the word. They're doing the same thing now in Myanmar, going into neighborhoods and giving out ice-cold bottles, along with, I'd never seen this before, an instruction sheet on how to properly drink Coke. Three ice cubes, pour at a 45-degree angle, just a squeeze of lime. Shakir says he also found his new slogan back on posters from the 1800s. The messaging in the early days was that it's a delicious product and it refreshes you. So if you were to walk down the streets of Myanmar, that's a singularly the only messaging that you would find on Coca-Cola. It's delicious and refreshing. Delicious and refreshing. It actually sounds a little more profound in the local language. I was touring one of the temples in Yangon, and I met a guide who spoke pretty good English. And so I had him read the new Coke label out loud, and he gave it sort of the Buddhist translation. It's Memal language called Ayada Shite, good, delicious, and fresh mind. Fresh know? mind? Fresh mind. If you drink, you can get a clear mind. The guide's name is Kin Win. He's in his 60s and has lived through all the different eras in Burma. British colonialism, socialist government, the military dictatorship... We went to breakfast, he and I, to a little tea shop so I could ask him how all of these changes would affect someone like him. And he just laughed. He doesn't think that he can afford Coke. This from America, Coca-Cola, some food is for the, the business people and some tourism. Normal people cannot, normal people are just for walking, 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 you know. And as for the travel site, Kin doesn't have the internet or a phone, doesn't have a bank account, he doesn't have the money to travel. And as we talked, I mean, he said, listen, I know Myanmar's changing, but he says as a devout Buddhist, he believes that the change here, all these new products, should happen in moderation. The forces of progress, he says, are sort of like a candle flame. You know, the forces is like a flame. The flames are flat up, after that, gone. We like it slow and steady. We like it not faster. 
slow and steady. Unfortunately, from Kint's perspective, we know from history that slow and steady isn't the way that globalization happens. Especially for a country like Myanmar that's been standing still for decades. There will be winners and there will be losers. Now, Kin, he may actually be one of the winners. He's a tour guide. More tourists mean more money for him. And he'll likely get the option to buy one of those cheap cell phones soon. He'll have an amazing choice of products. Everyone here will. And on average, the country will likely get richer. But not everyone will. You have to remember that if people choose to use Nay's travel website, the local travel shops on the corner will likely go away. And if everyone thinks Coke is delicious and refreshing, then its local rival, Star Cola, is in big, big trouble. And those poor typewriters, I'm, I'm just glad that I recorded them while I still could. Even the place where we're sitting, the traditional Myanmar tea shop, is yielding to these forces of globalization. As we speak, we're sitting on these tiny little kindergarten chairs in this dim little room. There's a pot of green tea on the table. That's how people here have done it as long as Kin can remember. They hang out and they talk on these little tiny chairs. But just down the road is a traditional tea shop that has just been newly redone with Coca-Cola branding. All of a sudden, people there can sit in big, western-sized chairs and hang out under bright red umbrellas that say, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. The tea is still served, but the Coca-Cola is ice cold, and it only costs 300 chet. As always, we love to hear what you think of the show. Email us, planetmoney at npr.org. And our multimedia producer, Lam Tui Vo, she traveled with me to Myanmar. She has a number of great things about the country you can see on our blog, including a breakdown of a Myanmar Coke bottle. Everything you need to know about the country you can learn by reading the label of a bottle of Coke. All of that at our blog, npr.org slash money. I'm Robert Smith. Thanks for listening. <laughs>